Hotel history is created for adult audiences. Content may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. You're listening to Hotel History. We take you with us through the sordid history and scandals of some of the world's most famous and infamous hotels. I'm Dieta. And I'm Yael. Let's get started. Welcome to part two of our dive into the hotels of the Catskills, a.k.a. the Borscht Belt, the Sour Cream Sierras, the Jewish Alps, and even Disneyland with Knishes. We're interviewing Jen Stewart from the Borscht Belt Tatler, a podcast completely dedicated to this period in history. I do want to talk a little bit more about the, the sports because that's an area that I think is really interesting. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, it was known as a sports mecca. It uh, was. It really like, was. Um, you know, just uh, sports and recreation in the Catskills basically um, goes back almost as long as they, um, I don't know, they they were, they started kind of blowing up in the heyday. I think it's really interesting that because Jews don't really play sports well, like professionally. We love sports, not me, but it, the general <laughs> population. Um, yeah, no, and I think there's something that they wanted to be a part of it so bad. Like, so the Jewish people will buy a team, but that's because we can't play on the team. Be short <laughs> and not we'll buy a team. Um, yeah, no, well, it's it's really interesting. So that we talk about this training ground for comedy, and there was this training ground for sports Literal. too. So from like the 1930s all the way to the 2000s, um, during the off seasons, basically the best basketball player. So basketball, which was one of the sports, um, they would come to the Catskills to showcase their skills. Um, it was a place for, you know, these kids would um, come by day, they would work as a busboy or in the dining room, and then they would play each of the hotels had their own, like many of the hotels, um, the major ones anyways, had their own basketball teams, and they would play on the teams um, in the evening, basically. Um, that was a really big thing. <laughs> Yeah, I was surprised how much how much boxing training went on there. Yeah, so boxing was also like a huge um it was definitely uh, a huge sport in the Catskills. Uh many of the hotels had their own trained uh boxing rings and um many of the major pros uh would train there for fight for the bigger fights in the city. So Wow. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. The boxing was surprising. Basketball, not as surprising, but um, it says here legendary Boston Celtics. Am I saying this right? Celtics. Celtics. Mm-hmm. Celtics yeah. How not sports I am. Red Auerbach. Yeah. Red Auerbach. I said it right. Wow. Um, so he's a, he's a coach and he was there. Yeah, so he was a he was a coach. Um, he was one of the first NBA coaches. He was the he's basically who made the Celtics what they That's are crazy. today. He made that team, uh, and he was hired as an athletic like a member of the athletic staff for coaches uh, back in the day, and um, he trained many of the basketball players who uh, 
I was about to say performed, <laughs> who who played at many of the hotel games uh, in the Catskills. So that's cool to like, as a kid, watch that happening before your eyes. You're like, I'm going to go out and see what's they up. They didn't know, but like, I think in the moment, <laughs> like they didn't even know that that, like, I think in the moment they didn't realize what was happening. Like, I think yeah. it, you know, because I, I I think of these games that happened with these professional players, you know, at midnight, but it was just just a bunch of kids at the they weren't who they were. Yeah. You know, back mm-hmm. then they were just a bunch of kids trying to play their sport, get better, and get recruited for the, you know, the NBA. Well, it worked. So. See? Damn. Yeah, we got to make like the, you know, there's the six degrees of separation with people. It's the six degrees of separation with the Borscht Belt. No, it's, uh, oh, a hundred percent or like, like, or or Kevin Bacon, what's the one with Kevin Bacon or. Well, I think, I think what happened was, I think the saying is there's six degrees of separation with people. And then I think it's from Will and Grace where they did the six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. I don't think so. I don't know. I and I always said in the Jewish world, there's only two degrees of separation with every single Jew. No, it's we really are very connected. Um, what really set, um, but just to get back to the boxing, like some of the best prize prize fighters in the world trained, um, in the boxing gyms, um, especially at Kutcher's. So Ezra Charles, Leon Spinks, even Muhammad Ali. Um, when he was Cassius Clay before he was Muhammad Ali trained in the Catskills Um, and you could just hang out with them ringside that's the craziest part of it is you could go and watch these people play and then hang out with them yeah that's That's so cool well and I was reading no security no PR people no yeah Yeah. nobody getting in the way saying oh you're too close mister you could just go and be with people yeah well, and then uh, Grossinger's kind of uh, was having a difficult time during the Depression, and they it was the the fact that uh, Barney Ross came to to train there that kind of helped get the word out that that's where he was training, and it kind of increased their popularity and helped them make it through those difficult Depression years because uh, Jenny Grossinger invited him because he was Orthodox, and so he had a hard time finding a place to train where he could get kosher food and have a rabbi and all of that. So she invited him and was like, I've got that covered, like come train here. And so it kind of came to be known that that's where he was training. Yeah. Barty Ross was a staple at Grossinger's. Was he Orthodox his whole life or just in the beginning? (laughs) I don't know anything. I I don't know if he, if he went to the trouble to do it while he was a professional boxer, then probably, I don't know. So this is an interesting thing. I thought growing up that the hotels, no one was religious, but they were like so totally secular places. Well, it's interesting. Like a lot of them were, so I'm so, see, the, this is the thing that's really confusing to me is that um, what did being a religious Jew look like in the 30s and 40s? Did it look the same way that it does now? like 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 we have the rules the book the rules the things that we don't do but like I'm I'm very curious to know what it actually looked like in America and because because now we have like 
conservative reform, orthodox, you know, from um, uh, reconstructionist, spiritualist, uh, spiritual yeah. humanistic, um, like there's so many different ways to be a Jew. I'm curious to know what I was. Yeah. The... You're right. I think that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think what happened was that, especially before the war, it was traditional. Jews were yeah. very traditional, not necessarily orthodox. I think there were some really like from the shtetl who were orthodox, but they were like the minority and kind of extreme. That didn't mean that you weren't religious. You were just like not them. And then after the war, people came and that's really when things changed because people were yeah. like, fuck this. I don't want to be religious anymore. I don't want to, you know, deal with uh, the discrimination. And My- then the opposite. People are like, no, I'm now. I really want to attach myself to this and it kind of morphed in its own thing. Like by the time I grew up, um, I, I mean, the rules were so like, you're modern Orthodox and you're really Orthodox and then you're conservatives and then you're it's so reform. confusing. Like, man. It was so I just, tiny. I just, it, it's so, it's so confused. Like it's very confusing. Um, it's, it is and, very confusing these days. I just, I, but one of my one of my all-time favorite stories um about sort of this, you know, moving to a more secular way was at Grossinger's and because they were very observant, but they wanted to bring in uh entertainment on the weekends. And so one of my favorite stories is they sold the hotel for a day over Shabbos every week. Um, in order to bypass, because Jenny was like advised by some uh, rabbinic advisor that this is this is the this is the way this to the get loophole. this is the move. <laughs> the loophole. Just sell the hotel to one of your non-Jewish uh, staff members for as long as Shabbos, and then get it back. That's, and that's like selling your chametz on Pesach. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. I love that. Like you sell it it's, to the rabbi's friend. It's my favorite story, though. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, so maybe that, yeah. Huh. They, they, I also realized something, and I don't know if this, if you agree or whatever, but, you know, the downfall of the Borscht Belt is that you had Jews who, you know, go other places. They can travel. They could, they're not discriminated against. Um, they have more money and all that stuff. But you still yeah. have, yeah. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, you remember that thing you said at the beginning, it's like two Jews, three opinions or, yeah. or <laughs> right? Everybody has an opinion on this, on what the downfall was. Um, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think also moving out of New York and like expanding and just it, I don't think it necessarily was only the Borscht Belt that got affected. I think life and technology and everything changed. And it yeah, affected. it wasn't cool. It, it's it, not cool to vacation with your parents. You know, well, it wasn't. And it's not just that it's that they're not constricted by religion anymore. Well, if you go today at the Catskills, you have so many Orthodox bungalow colonies. And the reason is because most Orthodox Jews can't just get up and go to like Jamaica. They would have to be like, is there Chabad? What's the kosher food? What's Shabbat like? And so what they did was that they just brought their little communities in uh, the bungalow colony. So it's so it's easy. I can go on vacation and not really have to worry about this stuff. I can be secluded like, and still very Jewish. And, and so they still have that pull. That's why you'll see them there. That's why they're 
booming and why they bought up all the old bungalows and hotels like the hotel my grandparents owned is now a yeshiva um but i don't think that secular jews or non-orthodox jews have the same pull because they're like i don't need a kosher place i just won't eat you know the pork yeah we're more i think the people who are secular who are drawn to it are certainly um people who are nostalgic for sure um and who are curious about it uh but i think it's also just it's a beautiful place so regardless of i don't know it's there I a think lot of things i think it things is, go in it's not going to be a strong like the, you don't need to have everything there and every single bungalow and all your fam like it's a different pull. it's a different vibe now yeah like it's it's very different and it's not going to be the same it's going to be what it's going to be like i you can't you can't re it's weird like you can't reinvent something but at the same time you can bring elements of what made it so special back so it just comes back to your core values you know what were these places about they were about family they're about food they're about fun they're about entertainment um you know you go with your heart and like that's that's what make that's what made these places um you can't bring the people back because many of them aren't around anymore um, but you can certainly have a lot of the core values and beliefs that these places stood on. It's it's interesting. But so there's the debate of why there was a downfall of the Borscht Belt. Because mm-hmm. to me, it seems very obvious. Oh, yeah. Or, or, it, it just travel and and yeah well i mean the civil know, rights act the you civil, know yeah lessening discrimination i can see like that was six sixty four, so i can see that taking a while to like for people to really start implementing it and then by the, that time the airfare costs have dropped and so it just all kind of comes together yeah, they, they say the three a's so assimilation air conditioning and air travel like those were the those were the <laughs> those were those were that. the things <laughs> that kind of that kind of did it like that's but but it's really interesting because you know that story has been recycled for the last 30 years and it's almost like okay well what are you trying to are you are, like all right that that's what it was but what's going on now like stop and take a look at what's going on now um and see all the amazing things happening in Ulster and Sullivan County. Um, yeah. Try and look forward, not backward. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> I think, I think that's so true that like at the end of the day, it's what like, are you doing now? And, and what's, what does the future hold for this place? Cause I think it's optimistic. I think it's really cool. And I think it's definitely going to, it's changing. Um, it's not going to be like Jewish hotels. You know, I think Kutcher's got sold to, uh, what is it? Like a meditation? They're Yohan, Yohan Wellness Center. And I'm glad their prices have come down. I'm I'm not going to lie. I was a little horrified. It looks really cool. It's really nice. Yeah. It's just when I, two years ago, their prices were way more expensive than they are now. So, uh, their prices have come down significantly and what they must've heard me. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> they must've heard me. Like we, they're just like, okay, <laughs> we got to shut her up. Uh, 
<laughs> I think that also that is a big, big change is that people are getting more into meditation. They're getting more into this kind of like, I know I am personally, I started meditating, going to like classes and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the new way, the new community. Yeah. Wellness. So yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Wellness. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think it's really nice. I Honestly. think it's great too. Not everybody wants to go and eat like round the clock. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like, do, but then I need like, to do some yoga. Then we well, gotta, it's yeah, so funny because I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, okay, so how do we adapt this into, you know, our keto people and our gluten-free and <laughs> our dairy-free? And can you imagine being a server in the dining room uh, had <laughs> they survived and they have to deal with all the people on their modified diets? Could you... Mm. No, no peanuts like, allowed on the property. <laughs> no peanuts allowed on the property. Um, you know, just yeah, it's we're we're yeah. very more in tune to. Well, most of us are privileged. <laughs> we're so privileged we can have this. Like back in the day, it's like you're allergic to peanuts. Good luck. You might not <laughs> no, make no, it. No, no, no. Oh my god. Yeah. Can you imagine? Jeez, I remember taking a peanut butter and jam sandwich to school. That's how old I am. Okay, now, no, you can't oh, do yeah. that. I mean, I, um, I did that, and there was a girl in my grade who was allergic to peanuts, but she just had to fend for herself. Like that's horrible. She's just like <laughs> I know, and that's horrifying when you think about it now, right? I mean, um, I I think she couldn't like you know eat it, but we were allowed to bring it. They really didn't give a shit. I think they just really didn't care about anything. Well, it was just, yeah, there was definitely a more more personal accountability back then. That's for sure. Um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I think I want to cover some more of the hotels. So we did do a lot of Kutcher's and it's history. And I think it, it, it um, it's been around till 2008. What was 13, it? What was it? 2013. 2013. Yeah. Oh. 2013. Okay. It's really a long time. And yeah. uh, it was the longest was running one. Yeah. And they were struggling for a while. And like the family kind of like, I don't know, there was drama there. It seemed like from the documentary. Petro's <laughs> drama? Yeah. <laughs> what? Did you see us? I don't know. I mean, like every family has their stuff. Oh, no, but... I can, you can just tell they weren't saying it, but there was like stuff you could, the way they said things, they're like, yeah, I don't want to let it go. And everyone's like, you should really let it go. Like, I'm so... sure something underneath everything they said. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I think I was just like, so full confession, I had rose colored glasses on for most of, um, for most of this process, like, um it's it's they've slowly come down as I've talked to more family members um but they're really you know there really was a sense of because these were families running them it was the next generation and then you know being some I don't know if I can't speak for you know the Kutcher's family I know that eventually it just got to the point where they saw the writing on the wall like they were the, yeah. one of the last people uh, to close and you know I think yeah yeah it's I think it's yeah. hard it's hard to accept and you it's, can it's a hard pain. it's a hard yeah well and again it 
goes back to like why, you know, some people love talking about it. Some people, you know, um, sold the hotel and didn't look back. Yeah. You know, um, because it was, that was the end and it was time to move on. But yeah. what's really interesting is all the people who, you know, did sell or did, they still look back on it with this fondness and love. Like it's not, um, an appreciation for sure. I feel like, um, the more you try and run from your, your roots, they kind of stay with you no matter. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Generational trauma. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but yeah, I wouldn't say these hotels were really traumatic places, but no, no, but yeah, just yeah. that, like, you know, if you're not talking about what you went through or stuff like that, it, it definitely comes back um, with a vengeance oh. and you can't you're at oh. a, some point you're gonna have to face it you know big time big time yeah but it's cool that 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 still survived I mean like when we talk about hotel history we're talking a lot about these hotels that have been around for a hundred years the fact that it's been around that long it's like amazing you know it's just imagine having a business for that long like yeah. people need to have businesses for like six years, two years. Yeah. You know? And not just a business so. like that, but a business where Mrs. Kutcher would greet people. Yeah. You don't go, and we talked about this in the pre-interview, you know, you don't go to a Hilton and see a Hilton greeting yeah. you there at the desk. That was the difference. Oh. No. And maybe that's what some hotels are missing. Like the same people maybe the owner can't be there, but to have like a consistency of workers um, that know the place that have been there, that has a connection to it. I think that changes the way you feel about it, because if you're getting just a new rotation of employees, like it's, it's like, okay, you're almost yeah. like the guests, like well, just that was, all the time. Whenever we did our episode on the Chateau Marmont, that was part of what made people love it so much was like yes. Anne Little at the service desk for decades. It was, yeah. yeah, it was seeing the same people every time they went. Yeah, it was, it was very much, you know, and Phil Brown talks about it in his book, Catskills Culture. Like these places were very, and it comes back again to those core values. You know, what were these? Wait, what these? The Catskills invented hospitality? most okay. likely yes okay. yeah I think so oh yeah <laughs> I mean yeah they they kind of did I mean how you treat a guest you know how you make them feel in yeah. your establishment yeah it was it, but it was warm and personable like it's mm. I feel like okay for example uh the plaza hotel we we did an episode and I love the plaza they're very good at making you feel welcome, but you're still like your privacy. It was like, there's a barrier, you know, boundaries, boundaries yeah, are good. Yeah. <laughs> boundaries are good. Boundaries are good. I'm not against boundaries, but like, there's almost like a, it's not warm. I, I just feel like the sense when I watched uh, about these hotels there, there was like a warmth to it yeah yeah, yeah. there's Maybe there's very much a very business. like they knew what was going on in people's lives throughout the year you know when they weren't at the hotel because they'd be Wait like oh mrs kochberg welcome back how's your daughter how's yeah. your yeah what's mm -hmm. going on is your husband feeling better i hear he had that you know like it was it's more community it was a community and people yeah. cared about the care but also like did the catskills start airbnb kind of 
Well, so the thing I am just bringing it all back. Like, well, the thing that makes me laugh is Airbnb stole from the Catskills because the Catskills started with borders. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Airbnb is basically the Catskills starting all over again. Yeah, because not everybody can afford. And like, I'm sorry, not everybody can afford the Plaza Hotel. Um, I can't. For my trip, go in there and use their bathroom. For my trip to the Catskills, <laughs> people are like, "Oh my God, why aren't you staying at Blank Hotel?" And I have to tell them, I can't afford it. Yeah, I'm staying at an Airbnb that's um really cheap. It's in Sullivan County, and it's exactly what I need. Um, yeah. and that's literally how people used to vacation back then. You know, not yeah. everybody could. You know, not everybody could afford. You know, five star accommodation so they went to the bungalow colonies right that's same thing that's what I'm saying it all I know so bad. so yeah that, so like so I'm you know um that that's what I always say because people are like there's no place to stay in the Catskills there's no hotel I'm like there's a ton of Airbnbs where do you think they stayed in the 1900s when they were coming in mm-hmm. and needing a place they stayed as boarders maybe that's what they need they need to open a hotel and just make it an See, and that's what I've been trying to do for the last two years, but no one's listening to me. So. We support you. <laughs> we back this up. Go, call uh, Brian Chetsky, the CEO we of Airbnb. Who's no, Jewish? Have, of course he is. <laughs> no, the, so there's some, so to its credit, like there are some really great um, hotels that have opened up. Um, and like, I, I try and promote them on the, like the Borschfeld pods um like Instagram social um even though I can't personally afford to stay there um, yeah. <laughs> um not, but I, like I'll still promote them but that's it's what just, we do we promote places we would never be yeah. uh, hey hey but 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 like that's what that's that's the core value of of Warshfeld. it's building other people up building the people in your community I mean they're not really my community because I'm in Toronto but but do you know what I mean it's that's you, that's the, the spirit of it has no borders and boundaries thank anymore to the internet thank you really? yeah <laughs> so you are a part of that community no really like, I am no 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 I am I'm changing. just like I'm like <laughs> I think yeah. you feel like an outsider and you should. I I do feel, you know what? I, I feel like an outsider because I've been told I'm an outsider. So well, that's, that's why. People. And I've, I've been a little, tri- I've been a little triggered lately. I'm sorry. You should. <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, Grossinger's was one of the most prominent uh, hotels in the area. Um, they were open from the early uh, 20th century until they closed their doors in 1986. It was uh, founded by Asher and uh, his wife Malka, um, and they basically started uh, started as a small boarding house, and it gradually, over the years, became a grand hotel with hundreds of rooms and numerous amenities. So soon to be documented in the upcoming, yet to be titled documentary that is currently in production right now so oh great I loved that uh their daughter Jenny like was so in charge of so many things throughout the years she she was major girl boss like yeah that. no she was like she was the the um she really was the I want to say the mascot but like the 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 
the face of um, Gross Singers. Uh, you know, she was born in 1892 in uh, the Austria-Hungary uh, area, and then she emigrated to the U.S. Uh, in the early 1900s. Um, and yeah, no, she was a pivotal role in the success of Grossinger's Hotel. Um, she married Harry Grossinger in 1914, and together they transformed the hotel into uh, what it was, this Hamisha Hotel uh, that attracted a very diverse and uh, affluent clientele. So, Yeah, it was even, um, I thought it was really cool that during World War II, like she was majorly into raising money for the war bonds so she raised over a million dollars for war bonds and she also sent care packages to any Grossinger's employees that were serving in the military yeah and, Grossinger's by mail I think yeah it was, it was like or... mail, canteen by mail I or think. canteen yeah. yeah and then the the air force named a plane Grossinger in honor of them so cool oh wow yeah, and she personally oversaw like hotel operations, ensuring that every guest, you know, received their exceptional service and comfort during their stay. And she go she cultivated this very Hamisha, as there's that word again, uh, atmosphere, and introduced just various innovations like the inclusive of all inclusive packages and sort of this expansive, all you can play recreation facility. So. Can we explain what Hamisha means? Hamisha. Yeah. So Hamisha is a Yiddish word, basically meaning, I think, homey. Um, yeah. Let me get the exact definition because I don't want to botch this. I, I uh, looked it up. It, it's homey, but it's also specific to Ashkenazi Jewish culture. Homey. Yeah. So, so Hamisha. So it's something familiar, everyday, homey. Um often linked to just very cozy unpretentious kind of yeah way a style yeah there's definitely a style with Hamisha stuff food yeah I like think of um Google. just warmth warmth yeah, so just come <laughs> yeah something that's comforting it sounds like <laughs> yeah yeah, familiar. And I can say like food would definitely go with that because what's more comforting and and homey than the food that you've grown up eating? Yeah, I think the vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's the food and the vibe. It it feels like the Borschbelt and these hotels gave Jews a place to be themselves and not have to hide it. And like their weird selves. I don't know. There's something nice about not having to pretend to be something else just to get everyone else, like the people around you, their, you know, acceptance from them. So I think. Um, yeah, no, she yeah. was really the ultimate host. Well, and speaking of like the all inclusive, like she was all inclusive as far as people were concerned, too. Like she wanted everybody to come to Gross Singers. She invited um, people like. Uh, I think it was Jackie Robinson, the baseball player, to come to come stay there. And uh, the UN diplomat, Ralph Bunch, it says like she wanted everybody to come. And she was like, we're not, you know, we're not discriminating against anybody. We were discriminated against enough. Like everybody can come here. Yeah. And I, yeah. I've seen Jews that 
you know, fought for civil rights side by side, you know, with Martin Luther King Jr. Like, it makes sense that this is all rooted in, you know, again, the Borscht Belt. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. But yeah, it's, it's, I think that there is this idea of bonding and being strong together from an outsider point of view. And because of that, they want to, they don't want anyone to feel unwelcome. Like that's a horrible feeling. Yeah, no. And so that's also why she was just such a huge philanthropist too. Like, um, you know, you, you mentioned sort of the war bonds, but, um, you know, she felt during the depression, like so many people were suffering. Um, and that's why she always felt it was important to give back to not just Jewish causes, but non-Jewish causes, which, you know, she was awarded two honorary degrees and a slew of awards um, in her honor. Which is really cool for a woman back in the Mm -hmm. day. It's huge. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we see that sometimes, actually, in the hotel industry, that women had a, a, a role, a place there, even with um with the Chateau Marmont, we mentioned how the person who started the hotel started as a, a an apartment building, but he hired a woman lawyer, like, and a lot of women were in. Oh charge. yeah, well, it was they were the investors. Yeah, it yeah, was they mainly inv- it was all women investors. Yeah, but the, he yeah. took it seriously. I felt like that. There's something about the hotels. Maybe it it kind of makes it okay in a man's head because it's oh it's like a really big house (laughs) and she's like a woman so she'll know how to run it but in a way it's you know it's kind of cool that maybe that belief allowed women to really rise up and and have important roles yeah I think it was just it's it's this natural sort of caretaker role right like they were very much um people who you know, just wanted to take care, like be that mother figure almost in a way. <laughs> but there's also the business aspect and you still have to be respected. Like you can't just be, you know, the shmata mama that everyone. No, no, no. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. But it was a balance. Yeah. Which is why there was like a balance of both of them for sure. Like both of those worlds. I'm shocked that um, Grossinger's uh, closed down earlier than Kutcher's and they closed in 1986 so that's that's part of you know the the struggle of like what happens when the next generations either don't want to carry keep keep it going or they want you know like I I think I mean it's a whole mess just sort of what what happened in terms of you know selling and then um yeah, it's 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 a it's a sad thing, right? Because yeah. you know you want to keep things on, but then you know if you're a part of that family, you also have your own life you want to live. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of things were at play. Like they were really trying to get gambling into the area, which was um, not happening. So they didn't know what to do and how to keep keep it going and keep people interested if the state wasn't allowing gambling to come in. Interesting. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of factors at play that caused, you know, the downfall of the Borscht Belt. I wouldn't yeah. 
gambling that's uh, <laughs> yeah gambling was like if you talk to anybody like any of the locals um like that's that's a huge reason you know why pe people feel that um some people think too you know the ability to evolve with the times you know um to keep in the upkeep and to keep what people wanted um you know there it's it's hard to look back to i mean again it goes back to those opinions everybody has a different viewpoint of sort of what happened um yeah and also uh to mention some of the other like public figures that have visited the Grossingers. I was surprised about this, but Eleanor Roosevelt, Cardinal Spellman, Nelson Rockefeller, and Robert Kennedy. Those are yeah, things. yeah, but yeah. No, it was a mecca for for the who's who uh, from the time that they became popular to the time they closed in 1986. They it was a, a place to be seen, to That's see and to see people, and a place to be seen. Yeah, for so sure. yeah. Well, I'm I'm really sad. I mean, I'm sad that all of this does don't exist anymore. But um, uh, when I was reading and listening to the podcast with Marissa Scheinfeld, she's the one that took the photography books, right? She she's a photographer. She's the one who helped me like she inspired this podcast. It was, it's, you know, I like I want to buy it. I yeah. mean, I have it in my Amazon cart, but like. Yeah, I have it right here. Um, like it's haunting. It's here, sorry. And I wish, honestly, there's a part, I'm like, I wish I could have taken those photos. <laughs> yeah, so do a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people. They're so good. Um, but there, there is only one Marissa. And no, she did uh, it. She, it's good it was she, her. Um, she, she, was, she was the first to capture it. Um, and the reason why she did it so well is because um, there was a lot of heart to it. Um, it wasn't just, you know, like it, it's interesting. Some people I think really had um, like, she got a lot of praise for it, but then other people could not under, they, there were a lot of people who didn't understand the photos. And she talks a little bit about that in uh, the interview. Um, but, you know, it wasn't meant to be exploitive. It was meant to to show what was lost you know it, it it was kind of look at what is left here I mean it's I don't know I think it always comes down to intention her intention was not meant to offend anybody or hurt hurt anybody it's it's meant to show what these places meant to people yeah she's documenting history I mean she's like she's literally like yeah living history and um just many you know anyways it's it's honestly like we're trying she, to go by it <laughs> yeah no 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 she's she's literally like she is your woman um like it just really so much heart to it and like some of it, the photos are very very sad um like I remember I told in the first interview when I interviewed her I was like I, I cried um at some of these because it's just you know what these places were and then to see them as they are in the present even though a lot of them have now been uh torn down or they've burned down yeah. 
a um, lot of them burnt down. A lot of them, yeah. yeah. Um, just really, um, it's 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 literally holding the mirror up. She's holding the mirror up, saying, "Hey, like, look at these places. This is this is what they are now." And 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 you know, I think it's hard for some people to to see that. Um, it is they they are emotional. I didn't think I would be affected that much. Yeah. No, I'm like, oh, cool, old photos of these, you know, abandoned places. There, yes. they move you. I yes. can't imagine how she felt being there. Yeah, and like one of the things that I highlight in her book, like I highlight just because that I really respect is she said she said my role as a photographer was to see, observe, and record. I did not move or adjust anything. Many of these sites were in such chaotic state. That all I needed to do was adjust myself and my camera angle in order to capture a dynamic variety of scenes. Um, and she did. Yeah, she did. Like, like, and and it's hard. It's very real. And it's very hard sometimes to sit in that realness. Yeah. For people. I think a lot of what the Borschbell does, and a lot of it's just an example of these abandoned buildings. It as you said, it it takes a mirror up to so much. And it really like it's it's no one wants to deal with death. It kind of reminds me of death. Oh, lot. your own mortality, and, right? Yeah. It's yeah. And she, and she talks about it. Like the, so the other thing about this book is um, you know, like she has these beautiful essays sprinkled among uh these photos, and like she talks about how um, you know. And again, this is literally like it was such an inspiration for my podcast because, you know, she talks about this longing for, you know, the simplicity of the past and at the same time excited about, she she says, the commotion of what came after. And she talks about, and I quote her and I always remind her whenever I talk to her about this, um, she mentions in her essay, you know, this concept of hope, growth and possibility and I always kind of remind, I'm like, those are the, th- that's what triggered this podcast is hope, growth, and possibility. It's, you know, having a look at the past, um, but then looking forward. Um, and yeah, so she's, yeah, I, I've, as you can tell, I have a lot of uh, love and respect for her and her work. Yeah. Well, I see why. Yeah. Uh, we follow her and I think she yeah she's she's amazing and she's just she's like and and like I keep saying like she she's you know at its heart she's the one who's gonna like she's gonna save the Porsche belt I don't know if she'll be able to make (laughs) me my resort well I mean I love that there's this the idea of growth and possibility because probably two years ago when you started this there was no Borscht Belt Fest there was no you know Borscht Belt don't tell them they'll get angry (laughs) (laughs) so the the growth and possibility are I'm literally that Jewish mother who's like don't don't worry about me I'll just sit in the dark (laughs) like literally yeah so I mean I it's wonderful that this that yeah this book is very sad and painful but it look what it's sparking look what it's what it's accomplishing but she didn't mean it to be like but that's the thing like and and that's where I think the Borschville Markers project comes in like she you know it's it's taking the next step right Mm -hmm. it's like okay so this was it and you know 
as an artist, I'm sure she could attack. Again, you got to interview her. I like she, Marissa's an expert on Marissa. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, like you evolve, right? As you learn and take in more. And I think for her, you know, that's, she's making the borscht belt like such a huge part of her. Stay tuned for part three of the Borscht Belt, where we'll continue digging into its history and the major hotels of the era. In the meantime, you can get more Catskills content by listening to Jen's podcast, The Borscht Belt Tattler, and by following at Borscht Belt Pod, at Borscht Belt Museum, and at Borscht Belt Historical Markers on Instagram. For a historical dive on the region, visit catskillsinstitute.northeastern.edu. We've curated a variety of books on the subject, both fiction and nonfiction, that you can find at bookshop.org slash shop slash hotel history, including the photography book mentioned in this episode, The Borscht Belt, Revisiting the Remains of America's Jewish Vacation Land by Marissa Scheinfeld. You can also find books about other hotels we featured on the podcast. We do receive a small commission on any books you buy at no additional cost to you, so go crazy. You can also follow us on social media for lots more content. Find us on Instagram and threads at Hotel History Podcast, on TikTok at Hotel History, and sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash hotel history. Please subscribe to our recently launched newsletter, The Check-In, at tcheckin.substack.com for curated news and articles on travel, culture, events, and, of course, hotels. Our current issue is all about the cat skills, including lots of stuff we couldn't fit into the podcast episodes, so check it out.